It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Today, something very different. A woman listened to one of my podcasts and heard me offer my email address at the end. She wrote me a lengthy email about trauma that was going on in her life, and she needed an outside opinion, advice, as she stated, help me. And I read the email and immediately got in touch with her. I asked her if she would mind terribly if I recorded our conversation because she's not the only one that's gone through this. I've gone through it. You might be going through it. And if we put our two heads together, collectively, maybe we can help somebody else. She agreed. And this is the conversation. Firstly, I want to thank you for reaching out to me. That means a lot to me to know that that um, having this podcast at least, you know, like I mentioned to you before, sometimes I sit and I talk and I do these podcasts and it's almost like I'm talking to myself because I don't believe there's anybody really out there listening. So for you to write me and and say that you're looking for help, you're in a situation that's, that's not healthy, uh, I'm very happy to be here to be the one to help you. So thank you. Now, from what I'm understanding, you sent me an email, and I'm sure you don't want me to read the email out loud, but I'd like you to give me the gist of what's going on without this email so that if there are other women that are listening down the road, maybe they can pick up something from this story as well, and the two of us together can help set them on the right track. Not that I'm saying I'm on the right track because I'm as crazy as a loon. (laughs) <laughs> but I but I do know the difference between right and wrong. So tell me what's going on in your life, and at least I can be an outside opinion. I feel like I'm living two lives. Like, I'm trying to please everyone and living this, you know, you know, the wife, suburbia, work, kids, everything's fine. And on the other end, I'm trying to make myself happy. And it's all come to a head. You know, I've been discovered, you know, and I haven't been doing anything extreme. In my opinion, I've been texting with someone who has just been answering questions for me. And I've been trying to discover who I am and am I happy and what would make me happy. Now I can't live this lie anymore because I've been called out. Let me stop you. When you say Mm -hmm. called out. What exactly happened? How long have you been married? 32 years. And how long has the marriage, in your opinion, not met the grade that you wanted it to be at? God, that's, that's a loaded question. Um, I think what happened was we, we dated very briefly. And we dated in an atmosphere that, you know, we were in Europe. Everything was perfect and lovely. You know, it's like a vacation. And when he landed in the States, I feel like the burden of the world was put on his shoulders because he felt like now he had to you know, support me in the custom that I was used to. And, you know, he had lost everything because he lost all his friends. He lost his family because they're all over there. So he was isolated with just me. I was his lifeline. And he's and European. I, mm-hmm. And I think that he just I felt guilty because he lost everything. He felt a burden, and but we worked at it. I mean, we worked. It was hard, but we worked hard. We had the same goals. We had like these five-year plans. We worked hard towards things. 
And we went through a lot of tragedy with trying to get pregnant and his parents' death and all of this stuff, my sister's death. It was work and tragedy, and but we were always together. Somehow we came through it. But in all of my the time I would write journals, and in all of my journals, I was always just felt alone. I always felt like I was just carrying everything. So the journals that you had been writing, he picked up one of your journals and read it? Yeah, not intentionally. He's not that type of guy. I would never cross into, you know, check my phone or do anything like that. The journal that I was writing in was very similar to a journal that we were keeping for our bed and breakfast that we have overseas. So he opened it thinking it was that. The first thing he read on the top of the journal was, oh, my God, when I look across the table, all I could think of is, ugh. I don't think I could be with him when the boys go off to school. First of all, I, wa- I wasn't mm-hmm. accusing him of reading. Yeah. The- so it's sort of like a little diary that you would keep, and he, he picked it up and, and yeah. read it. Okay. Had you tried to, to see counselors and work at some issues that were stronger than other issues? Was it everything that came to a head, or were there certain things that were landmines and other things that you could just sweep under the rug? There was a lot. Um, had two stillborns that I buried, gave birth to and buried alone. Um, I, my sister was dying on her deathbed and, you know, he made me make the choice of going to Europe because we had to run our business or staying here to let her, you know, be here when she died. And he made me make the choice and I went with him and I got the call on my birthday there that she was in the hospital and my guilt of torn, I stayed there and didn't take the first flight, but took the next flight out. And I literally landed two hours after she died. Oh. And I'm not that I want to blame him. All right. Here's what I want to say to you. I recognize a lot of the things and a lot of the feelings that you have right now because I had the same thing. I was constantly in protect mode for my husband. I would never let anybody say anything negative about him. Anything negative, I would say I would always have to back it up with, but he's really not a bad person. He didn't mean it like that. He didn't mean to do this or say that. But that's the first thing you have to let go of. Some of this stuff is his fault, okay? You cannot hold all of this weight. Some of it is not your fault. He sounds to me, and I'm listening to one side, and here I am. I'm 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 going into protect mode for your husband because this is what I do. It's it's my little Achilles heel. <laughs> but the fact is, he's selfish, and maybe he comes from that type of upbringing. I don't know what it's like, what country he's from, or what his parents were like. But that is absolutely selfish to ask you to go with him because of a business issue when your sister was sick. That's number one that I've seen so far. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, if there are problems in your marriage and he refuses to go see a counselor with you and you've asked him repetitively and you've gone on your own, there's nothing wrong with you right now. What I'm seeing is there's something wrong with him. For you to seek uh, somebody else to talk to, another man, to make you feel something again, uh, because... You're being taken for granted by him. And I'm sure that there are parts of you that are to blame too. You know, I'm just as bad. But but there are certain things that really stand out in this conversation. You know, I had the opportunity to read your email before anybody else has. But there's a there is definitely 
a problem with your husband. Now, he found a journal that you were writing. Mm -hmm. Number one, that's private. All right, it was an accident. He thought it was something else. You say. Yeah. Okay. He probably read more than one entry. And, you know, the thing is, I went back and I put post-its in it to show him everywhere that I had said I loved him or I felt lonely or I wanted him or all the other things besides the ick. Yeah. He refused. And he's using it, I feel like, a weapon. That's exactly what he's doing. He's grasping at straws right now. He probably knows you want to go. He probably knows it's over. You're calling somebody you've never met in your life. You're talking to another man that you're, you're texting because you need to feel something there. You need validation here. You can't get it from him. He won't go to a counselor. He's throwing you digs because of something he read that he really should, it, by all rights, he should have said to you, well, do you really feel that way? Why don't we talk about it? Well, I thought when he would read it, he would step up and say, what can I do? Why, why are you feeling like this? That, that, that conversation never happened. Well, there you go. There's your answer. He doesn't care. He wants things to just flatline. That's how he wants to live his life. Or maybe he's seeing somebody else. Is it possible? I don't think so. I mean, I know his routine. I mean, all he does is work, and he works in a job that he's filthy, so it's not like he can go somewhere full around him okay. <laughs> based right. on how he looks. I mean, he plays a lot of golf, but he always plays with the same guy, unless they're both doing it, and I'm just oblivious. But I, I don't think so. I don't think he has that depth. I just don't think he has the oomph in him or whatever. I think he likes his life the way it is. I think he doesn't want to stir the pot. I think if he decides to stay with me after we have this conversation, it'll be just because it's easy for him. It's I easy. don't know that that's what I want either, though. I'm just saying that's his point. Of there you go again, defending him. Do you want what's easy for the marriage? I, I don't want anybody else hurt anymore. I'm, I haven't talked to my son in five days. It's killing me that I've done this to him. Your Maybe son overread a text? Is that what you said? Yeah, about a month ago. And he didn't want to say anything while his father was still here. And the minute his father left, he blew up. And he's like, I read a text. You were way inappropriate. And you were making plans to see this guy. And actually, we were. We were going. I was going to meet him. It's not like I, we've never met. We've gone for coffee. We've gone for ice cream. We were going to meet for ice cream. And, yeah, the texts were getting a little more inappropriate than they were because it's been going on for longer. And it's it's almost a fantasy because I know nothing will happen. This person is married. He's you know, not happily, but he's married also 30 plus years, has a family. It was safe. It was a place I could go to and express everything and be safe. I understand that 100%. How old yeah. is your son? 19. Okay. Well, he's old enough to still understand what respecting your elders means. Yeah. And he really shouldn't yeah. even be involved in this yeah. whole episode. He shouldn't have a voice in it. This is not between you, your son, and your husband. This is between you mm -hmm. and your husband. So now that he's put himself in it by reading, geez, he seems to take after somebody. <laughs> he picked up your phone and read your text. Oh, no. He read it over my shoulder, actually. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, you have to have pretty good vision to be able to do that. Yeah. I'm sorry. It, it sounds to me like father, like son, and it sounds to me like you are very, very unhappy and you probably have been for quite a while. And it's time that uh, you're going to have to make a decision. 
And, you know, it's not going to be this other man that you've been texting. No. He's no, not going to leave. No. And, you know, most married men won't. And I don't uh, want him. You know, I read a book a while back, something like Why Do People Cheat or whatever, and gives you a guide to whatever thing. And one of the things is you can go back to your old person, you can go to the other person, or sometimes you just need to be alone. And I think I just need to be alone. I think you're I right. Just, I, you know, I went from my mother's house to a house with my husband and I'm terrified of being alone. I can do it, though. I'm strong. That's not the issue. I just don't want to hurt. I would rather, I wish I had done it the right way and just said, you know, I'm not happy. And that's what I'm going to, I'm just going to go there and I'm going to tell them, you know, what's awkward is we really literally have 12 hours together to, to hash this out while I'm there. And I, But I'm going to tell them. I have been texting with someone for a while now. And it started out innocently enough where we were, talking about our unhappy marriages and what we could do. It's elevated to something else. I'm not comfortable. We've talked about this where we've said, if you come to a point in your marriage that you're thinking about cheating, then come talk to me. I said, I'm at this point. I could cross the line at any day and I don't want to cross the line. But if you're not willing to step up and be the man you need to be for me, I can't go on like this. And it's affecting my son, my relationship with my son because last year he was acting weird and I don't know why. And now this year he's acting even weirder, and now I know why. But I, I, I can't. I just, you know, I, I'm going to devastate everybody, but I just can't do this because it's just everybody knows now. It's you know, and now I'm the bad guy. Hold on, I hold on. I, I just have to tell you, this is like looking in a mirror. I went through the exact same thing. I was afraid to hurt. My children, I've got five kids. They were yeah. still in high school and middle school. I mean, they, they were young. But you reach a point. And, and the point is this. You look in the mirror and you can see one of two things. You see a woman who's going to live this way for the rest of her life without any passion, without any drive, without any will. But she'll be there for everybody and she'll pat everybody on the back and let everyone know that it's going to be okay. Or you're going to find this other woman who is breaking out. Like, it's time. You've been with this man for 30 years. You have raised your children. They're no longer young kids. You deserve the, the right to have a life that you want. You deserve luxuries. That's what this whole sugar mom phenomena is that I've been trying to build. It's not a sexual thing. It's it's for women to show them they have options. You have a choice. You're not locked behind bars in a cage. You really shouldn't even go to Europe to have this conversation. You should wait for him to come home to you and then have the conversation and tell him to go find another place to live. Why should you schlep all the way there to have an, a conversation or, or be on a plane with him where you can't get out? We won't be together. We're going to switch. So I'm going there to take over, and I'll stay there for two weeks, and he's coming back here to work. Okay. I'll be there, and that's another thing. I'll have time to clear my mind. I'll be alone. He'll be here with the boys, and they both claim that they don't want to be involved in this. But no, they're going to paint you out to be the monster. When they all get together, that's what they're going to do. And you are not. You have not done anything wrong except act upon something that needs to be done. You reached out to a man that you know is not available, but has an ear and is going through something similar. That's what people do when they're depressed or when they need relief. You going to Europe and having a conversation with him 
it's not going to be a healthy thing for you to do because the whole time you're there, you're going to be worrying about what they're talking about down here. If there's any way to get out of that, I would highly suggest you not making that trip. And I would highly suggest you not leaving your boys to talk with your husband. I would make him come here. And then you have the conversation here. And if you have to go at that point, then you go. But be open, honest, and clear in front of your kids at this point because everybody's involved. And you tell them, I'm no monster. Your dad has not ever once offered to fix what's wrong with our marriage. I've not cheated. I'm only looking for help. And if they want to act like brats, then so be it. There's nothing you can do. You've done the best you can raising your kids to make them into gentlemen. If they treat their own mom with disrespect. Well, it's not both of them. I have to give my other son, Dennis. They're twins. Dennis is the three-minute older one. He says he's not happy with the way I've what I've done, but he says, "You're my mom. I love you." There's he's does, and he hasn't even talked to his brother. He's here with me. He's downstairs. He's you know we don't talk a lot, but I can see that he you know he tells me he loves me every day, and he's cordial. And I don't think he it will get involved, and I think he will have my back. I have two nieces. When my sister passed, we took custody of the nieces, and those two are also split. So I have the older niece and my one son that are standing by me. So it's a split camp. And I wish I didn't have to go, but financially and business-wise, we have a hotel or a bed and breakfast. I can't, there's no one there to staff it. And I have a full thing, so I have to go. I'm prepared to come back to don't come to this house. I, you know, I don't even, that's why I'm telling you, I'm cleaning my closet in with the mindset of I need to tell someone to go in and grab those, you know, suitcases or something to that effect. That is ridiculous. You should not be leaving the house. What makes you think you should leave the house? Well, it's just more practical because the business has run out of the house and the garage and everything. So I just, I, I, I think I just don't want to make waves. I just, if I'm going to go, I just want to go quietly. Just, just let me go. Well, then what you need to do, and I I understand, I can feel the, uh, (laughs) I hear the despair and I feel the frustration, but a suggestion before Friday, hire an attorney. You need to have an attorney ready because if he decides to go crazy and throw you out of the house and say, don't come back, you need to have an attorney absolutely there that can stand up on behalf of you and say, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. Everything is 50-50. Business in Europe, business here. You can live in the same house if you choose to. One live on one floor, one live on the other. But there is no way that he changes the locks on you. That's really important because you have every right in the world to live in your own home. And from what I understand, from what you've been telling me so far, he sounds more like an emotional bully, a mental bully. Not physically. I don't know anything yeah. about that. No, he's not but at all. Emotionally, and, and, he sounds like he takes advantage of your soft spots. And and I that's just as bad as being a physical bully. But what's most important for you right now is peace of mind. And mm-hmm. what you said to me that you're going to say to him when you get there, because mm-hmm. I, I strongly believe you should not go. That's the first thing. But And I've already said it a few times. Mm-hmm. But when you get there and you have that conversation, you have to just take a deep breath and look at the man and understand if you don't have that conversation, you're going to be looking at him for the next 20, 25 years. That's monstrous. 
that is the worst of the two evils, to be with somebody that doesn't give a shit and just wants to roll along like things are normal and pretend to the rest of the world that everything's cozy. Everybody believes that everything's fine, right? Does anybody have any idea that there's anything wrong between you and your husband? Well, that's the ironic thing. First of all, he does, which is ironic, implicitly trusts me with everything. I handle all the money. I handle all the businesses. I handle everything. And everything is in my name. It's, he doesn't even go to the bank to sign a signature card. I just put open accounts in my name. You know, Val can fix everything. If she's a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, everything. It's always Val will do it. Val will take care of it. So I think that was kind of my, I don't know, it was just easy because I just handled everything. It was, and there's, he never second judges. He doesn't control anything. I come and go as I please. I buy whatever I want. It's easy. It's a very easy life. It's not, but it, like you said, it, there is no passion or anything like that. And so, there is no price that you can put on passion. I know. You can't live without it. So the first thing that happened after this all blew up with my son, my dad came over and I was shaking because my parents were very strict. I, one of the reasons I went to Europe when I met my husband was I was leaving because they had tested my car for drugs. Mind you, I'd never smoked a cigarette. To this day, I have not seen a joint. So I don't know what drugs they claim they found. Aww. So I left home to go live with a girlfriend and said I wouldn't come home until they signed the papers to let me go overseas for school for a semester. And that's where I met my husband. So when he came through the door, I was ready, prepared to get reamed. Mm-hmm. You know, you just because my mother still hasn't talked to me because she's so mad. My dad looked at me, sat on the couch. It's like he couldn't believe that I had been married this long. I, I, I'm just still shocked. He, he sees my husband differently than I do. He says, you know, your husband is a generous man. He's a good man. He's a hard worker. He goes, but sometimes it's like a, there's a, a switch that goes off. And he's just wrong. You know, my dad went with him to the bed and breakfast one year for two weeks and painted and worked and slaved there. And on the last two days, he goes, can I take the car? I want to go see my brother. And my husband's like, no, uh, you don't have insurance on the car. He wouldn't let him take the car. Mm. Or, you know, he was at a property of ours raking leaves and he couldn't leave the leaves there. So he hauled the leaves and he brought them to my house and he was going to dispose of them. Then my husband went off on him. It's like on weird things. And he's like, I don't understand him. He's always, he just goes off on a weird tangent sometimes. He sounds like he's got OCD or is it a possibility? Maybe he's got some kind of disorder. Well, I definitely tell him that he has ADD because he's very anal about certain things and whatever. But we've learned to, I've kind of learned to manage that. It doesn't, he doesn't do it to me. So I guess it's, you know, because you don't allow it. You let it graze over your, the top of your head. It's still there though. You yeah. probably just don't hear it anymore. Yeah. I think I catered into it so much that I don't know. I got to say this. You did not dig your own grave. That's what I hear you trying to say. This is not your fault. Yeah, you catered to him. Yeah, you let him get away with it. Yeah, it's been probably 20 years since he started ignoring or not having the passion that you wanted. Yeah, you enabled that too by just going along for the ride. But guess what? Somebody just woke up. You're not wrong. Yes, he probably makes a great living. He's a hard worker, but that doesn't make him a man. You mm-hmm. want a man, somebody that, that will hug you and hold you and tell you it's going to be okay. Somebody that wants to listen to what you have to say. Somebody that wants to feel what you feel or at least have a conversation with his wife to make it better. That's yeah. a man. 
And you sound like a really strong woman. You remind me so much of myself. It's craziness. And this is irrelevant, but over the last three days, I've had so many psychic, ridiculous moments that I just shake my head and keep going because I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what's causing it. I don't know why someone has come into my life or why I saw a certain number that means something to me. Many, many things over the last few days. So you don't surprise me at all that we've met. But the main thing I have to say to you, and I I mean this from the bottom of my heart, nobody can make you feel like you're at fault. You're not to blame because you were the strong one for all those years. You're not a bad person for being a strong woman. It's just that nobody has risen to your level in a while. And now you see it. You've got to make a fix. So messy. So what? It's messier to stay stuck in the quicksand. Yeah. And, I mean, it helps to have a friend. Do you have anybody around you besides your son? I mean, an adult, a woman. Yeah, no, I have a couple not many. I mean, I have a lot of friends, but I'm not, I have not divulged this to anybody except for two. Uh, an older lady that used to be the boy's nanny. And uh, my son actually Dennis called her and sent her to my house because he was worried that I would do something to myself. Which, do you think about doing that? I, I have had those thoughts, but I would never put that type of pain on my son or my father. Okay. Yeah, I would. I couldn't do that for them because that's just selfish. That's just the easy way out for me. My luck, I would probably end up in a coma or a paraplegic, and I wouldn't have done the job <laughs> right anyway. <laughs> well, you know, you sound like honestly, you sound like you have a really good head on your shoulders. Like I wish you were my friend. I wish we lived closer. You know, <laughs> I'd like to hang with you, and and I, I think you just have to do the deed. You just have to get it done. How much longer can you live like this? You can't. You've reached the point. You know what I call it? It's the I'm done note. You reached it. You're there. You have to laugh at this. This is the kind of stuff that you will look back in a year or two, and you will feel like 50,000 pounds are lifted off of your shoulders, and you'll be able to smile and say to yourself, Thank God I did that. You have too much to offer to be stuck in this situation and not shine. You have a brightness to you. I really think the hotel can close for two days, three days, and let him come here and then you go there. I I don't see where finances, I understand when things are bad, but it doesn't sound like you're bad off right now. No, but it's just we have how many people? 36 people that are going to show up there on Saturday. Somebody has to be there. Okay. On Saturday. So why doesn't he come down now and have a conversation with you and then you be there for Saturday? Can I tell you something? What you have to say to him is only going to take 30 minutes. Yeah. Because I don't believe that he's going to have much to say. I think once you start talking... Just like you did when we first started having this conversation, it's all going to just pour out. And I think you're at the point where even if he says to you, I'm sorry, I'll try, you're going to say, no, I'm done. You won't believe him. You need a half an hour and your kids will live 
and they'll grow up and get married and have children and probably go through the same thing. We'll see. I mean, from your heart, what do you feel you're going to do? I don't think that I'm going to have much of a choice. I think we'll have the conversation. He'll be extremely hurt and probably say things that are going to push me to make the choice that I'm going to make. He'll go back. When I come back, we're together in the house for two weeks, and then he goes back for a month. So I'll be here alone, and he'll be there. So we do a switch again. But we will be together for two weeks here in the States. When you come back, Mm -hmm. the two of you will have already made decisions about your futures. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be healthy to have more discussions because it's not just what are you going to do, but okay, how are we going to do this? Absolutely. There's logistics that need to be talked about. And uh, luckily, when he leaves in August again for the month, the boys will then in that month go off to school. Where he'll come back to where I'll be, what will the house be on the market, what the story that'll be all decided by then, I would imagine. As long as you know not to let him push you out of the house. They're your children. It's your house, just as much as it is his. You have to somehow find the way to be civil with each other. Yeah. Well, we've, we've talked about it because we, you know, when he read my journal and we had this conversation, we both said, you know, we don't want the lawyers to get all the money. We can go to mediation. If we're going to do this, we should do this civilly. So I'm hoping that part of that is still in him and he thinks that way and he wasn't just saying it to say it. He's a very practical man. I mean, that's one of his faults. In my lifetime with him, I've gone from, you know, when we got married, I was like size 10, 12, and all the losses, I went up to 300 pounds. So now I'm a size six. And I used to think, oh my God, he never complained when I was 300 pounds. I was grateful for that, you know? He's also never said, wow, you look good too now. And I said, well, you know, if he didn't say it then, I shouldn't expect him to say it now. But I worked damn hard to get to this. So I expect him to say it. He most certainly should have said, you look great. Yeah, never. Ah, she lost 300 pounds. Good for her. Move on. Yeah. I don't get it. The fact is, you do get it. And that's why you're in the position you're in right now. You're done. That's all. i got to give you another analogy. I'm a cancer survivor. And when I first started the chemo, they told me I was going to lose my hair. And I dreaded every day that I would brush my hair or go to the store and and purchase something. I would see one of my hairs fall on the the Mm -hmm. counter, and I would be so humiliated and embarrassed. And I went through probably three months with my hair shedding, falling out, and it's like your life. You know, every day you wait for the other shoe to drop, the last hair to fall out so Mm -hmm. people can see finally that I'm losing my hair. I finally stopped allowing myself to feel like I was being held captive by my own hair. And I went to the beautician that was, you know, selling me the wig and I Mm -hmm. said to her, shave it off. Yeah. I went with my sister when she did the same thing. Yeah. You just reach a point and that's where you are. Just accept it. Once you accept it, the rest is easy. You'll stop making excuses to your kids. You'll stop worrying about your father. You'll understand that you're a grown woman that has a mind of her own. And God damn it, you're going to do what's right for you. Finally, it's time. You know it. Admit it. Own up to it. Yeah. Oh, God. I know, honey. 
so hard. I know. The hardest part is letting yourself own it. Honestly, once you say it, once you know it, once you own it, it's a piece of cake. Because there's nothing anybody can say to you anymore that'll make you feel badly about yourself. That's the hardest part. You're worried about what everybody else is going to feel, say, how they're going to live through it. Trust me, they'll live through it. That's why more than half the marriages in the USA end in divorce. You're not alone. And you did the right thing. You asked him to go to counseling. You asked him to sit and have a conversation with you. You have done every correct thing you could do. So what? You texted somebody. Who cares? That person is in the same boat you're in. <sighs> I, I would really like you to stay in touch and let me know what, what happens. Yeah. And I'm a phone call away. Okay. Or Facebook. You can find me, you know, all yeah. the time. I have Facebook on all day. Okay. I will keep you in the loop. It helps. I just needed somebody objective because, you know, friends and family, they all have their yes. own perceptions and, you know. I understand. I'm happy that, uh, that we got to talk. I'm really. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, Can't my God. Me. I hope that you, you pull it together and just own it. Once you do, you'll be okay. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I will talk to you. Okay. All the best. Thank you. Bye. Well, this just shows you the power of the internet, media, social media. A woman who heard me talking on a podcast. And I offered my email at the end of the podcast. Robin Marshall Sugar Mom at gmail.com. And she took me up on it. And if you felt any of her angst, it means that you've gone through this too. And the only reason she allowed and agreed to have me record this for you to hear was so that maybe we could lend a hand to somebody else like you that could be stuck in the same disastrous marriage or relationship. We've talked since then, and she's still gaining courage and strength, and she left on Friday, so I've not heard from her since, and I will let you know what she comes back with. In the meantime, thank you for being a part of this. I am Robin Marshall, and I'm also known as Sugar Mom, and anytime you want to talk to me, robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. Or leave me a comment right there on the podcast page. Reviews help because no one in the world knows us until you talk about us. And us, I mean you and me. <laughs> I really did begin this podcast because I care so much about how other women think. Not what they think about me, but just how you think. There are so many women out there just like us that just don't speak up and, and say what's on their minds. They hold it in and they live their lives mundanely. They never get a chance to grow because they think it's the wrong thing to do because everybody else tells them so. It's not the right way to live. The right thing to do is to spread your wings, allow some free time just for you. I don't care if it's only once a week. Have that day be just for you. Go dance. Go on a trip by yourself or go with a girlfriend. Do something a little bit edgy, outside the box. You're entitled. You've raised your children. You've 
raised your animals, you've taught your husband, you've embraced them all. You're allowed. It's called me time. It's called being a sugar mom. Thank you. I'll talk to you next time. A Westwood One podcast production.